Hello and welcome to the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. Our keynote speaker today is one and only Dan Eaton. Now, Dan actually came along to Progressive Property in 2017 to a multiple streams of property income event. He was a consultant at the time and service accommodation definitely got his attention. Dan built up a service accommodation business, a rent to service accommodation and a service accommodation management business initially, and effectively created enough recurring income from that to be able to stop consulting. And his long-term plan was to move into commercial conversion properties. And funny old thing, commercial conversions and one of the recurring income strategies from doing commercial conversions is definitely service accommodation. So today's talk is going to be commercial conversion into service accommodation. Dan has now got a pipeline of 18 million pounds worth of property. Can I have a new? Welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as The Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. morning. That's exactly right. As Kevin said, we're going to talk this morning about commercial conversions into service accommodation. So let's get started. What is a commercial conversion? Can we have an interactive session, Kevin? We can have an interactive session, can't we? We can have an interactive session. So what is a commercial conversion? Shout it all out. What do we think? Shops. That's a building office. Yeah, offices. They're all commercial types of building. Yes. Yeah, healthcare, dental practices, all those things. Basically, it's something that is not where someone would live or someone would sleep, okay? So we're talking about these commercial properties. So if we're talking about these commercial properties, and I know all of you here today are doing service accommodation, you're on the service accommodation mastermind, you're all progressing your journeys with service accommodation, you're making some profits, yes? Yes. Good, 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 good. But how would you like to make six-figure profits from one deal? Give me a yes if you'd like that. Okay, 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 that's pretty good. What about six-figure profits from one deal with 90% of the work being done by other people? Give me a yes. yes. Ah, now we're talking. That's what we're talking about with commercial conversions. That's exactly what we are talking about here. And then uh, we'll just have a look here. Then. So what is a commercial conversion? We mentioned some commercial buildings. What are we going to do with these commercial buildings? What are we going to do with them? Turn them into flats, yeah, or houses? We're basically going to refurbish them, aren't we? Now, I'm here today to talk to you about commercial conversions into service accommodation, but there's a couple of things we need to get sorted out straight away, which is around commercial conversions. It's quite a scary term, isn't it? We're talking about big office blocks, big numbers, you know, millions of pounds. These are the the images that get conjured up in people's minds. But that's not necessarily true, okay? What we're talking about here is taking a building and then refurbishing it with a refurbishment team. All of a sudden, that doesn't sound as scary, right? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. And the way we do that is we follow a proven system. 
Has anyone followed any systems so far in their service to accommodation journey? You mean yes? Yes, you follow the deal system, don't you? Well, in the commercial conversion land, we follow our commercial conversion excellence system, our eight modules. Basically takes us all the way through finding a building, all the way through exiting it. Now, the exit part is the bit we want to talk about today because that's the bit where serviced accommodation as a recurring income stream comes into this strategy. It's how they fit together really, really nicely. So let's have a look at some of these types of projects that we might be uh, converting then. But remember, as human beings, we are naturally, you know, we can naturally complicate things. All right, we'll naturally think of a more complicated way of doing it. Have you found that yourselves in your own journeys? Give me a yes. Yeah, I can see some nodding. I can see some yeses. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask some questions, and I want you to, to think simplistically. Okay, I'm a simple bloke. Those of you who know me, and some of you in the room do know me, I am a simple bloke. Okay, so let's just keep it simple. So I'm going to ask you a question. What have all these buildings on the slides got in common? What have they got in common? So we've got windows, we've got doors, we've got roofs. Yes, we're keeping it simple, aren't we? They're buildings. So for those of you in the podcast, we've just got some buildings on the screen, some commercial buildings. I have asked this question before, and someone has said they're ugly. I own some of these. <laughs> ugly? Yes, they may well be ugly. But the profits aren't, which we'll come on to a little bit later on. But yes, they already exist, don't they? They are buildings that already exist. We're not talking here about going out into fields and you know, digging foundation trenches and finding unexploded World War II bombs or you know, Viking longships, which has happened to people in the past. We're talking about taking something that already exists. We're keeping it simple, okay? We're keeping things simple. So why do we want to convert them then? Why do we want to convert these types of buildings? Shout it out. Why do we want to convert them? Profit. <laughs> okay. Any advance on profit? Uplift. What, you want to uplift it and carry it around? Put it down again? Uplifting? Value, yeah, very, very good, very good. They often have parking. Now, whenever someone mentions parking, I've got like a sixth sense, right? I'm going to go like this, and I reckon you drive a car, don't you, Vanessa? You do, right, yes. Does anyone in here not drive a car? A couple of people. Do you care about parking? No, because you don't got a car. No, you don't. You haven't got a car. You haven't got a car. You've got to think about your end user, absolutely. Now, your end user may have a car, they may not. Okay, so don't necessarily worry about the parking. But yes, you're absolutely right. They may have parking. They may have parking. But why do we want to convert them then? These are like byproducts. Why is it they want to convert them? Why do you or why do we want to convert these types of buildings? Bring back to use, yeah? Cheap to buy. Interesting, yeah, okay. Usually a good area could be. Yeah, could well be. Yeah, absolutely. But these are all really good reasons. But if you think about it, the reason that we do this type of strategy is that we want to have a business. We want to make profits. We don't want to be doing all the work ourselves, though, do we? Because that's going to limit the amount of things we can do. The reason you're all here is to learn how to build businesses. You're not here to learn how to put you know, a property on Airbnb. Amateurs do that. You're in this room because you're professionals, because you want to build big businesses. And that's exactly the same when we talk about these types of projects. It's about leverage. Now, we are going to put the same amount of effort into one of these projects 
as you are into one of the smaller projects. So let's just say you're looking to buy somewhere for serviced accommodation. Buy to SA, okay? Maybe it's a buy, refurbish, refinance to SA. You're going to go out there, you're going to do some viewings. You're going to meet some agents. You're going to maybe put some offers in on some properties. When you've got those property offers accepted, you're going to go into legals. You're going to have your solicitors involved. You're going to have to fund the deals either through a mortgage product or investor finance. You're then going to be refinance, uh, sorry, refurbishing the property, probably by yourself, you know, down there with the builder, making sure everything's on time, making sure, you know, they're, they're putting the, taking out the avocado bathroom suite or leaving it in, depending on your, on your market. And then at the end of the project, once you've refinanced it and you've filled it full of your furniture for SA, you've got one. One property. With this strategy, you do exactly the same thing. You go and do some viewings. You meet some agents. You put in some offers. Your offers are accepted. You go into legals. You have to fund them. You then hand it over to a professional team of contractors who will refurbish it for you. And at the end of it, you might have five units or 10 units or 15 units or 20 or 30 or 40. It doesn't matter. But the process is the same. But what's not the same is the profits. So one of the things I want to try and do today is to make you think bigger. So all those out there trying to do buy to SA, why not convert to SA? Why not take a commercial building that no one wants and convert it into something that someone does want? Increasing the value. Think about that. And then maybe you could do something, you know, once you've done these conversions, you don't even have to do it all as I say if you don't want to. You could sell some of it, get some money back in, then do again, and you know, could flick, flick it between the two. It doesn't really matter. You could do either or of them. Perhaps you could do something like this, £510,000 profit from that building. One project. Who likes that, by the way? Give me a yes. Excellent. Looks like this inside. Quite nice, isn't it? Yeah, beautiful. Thank you very much. I did all the interior design myself. As you can see, I'm a, I'm a trendy guy. That wasn't a joke, by the way. <laughs> okay. So why do we want to convert them? Well, we want to convert them because of the value. And there's a gentleman over here. What's your name? Sorry, sir. Craig. Go over. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. So as Craig mentioned, it's about value. And we need to understand this a little bit as well, because we need to think about our value, our end users. So value. If we look at value as a noun, the regard that something is to held, to deserve the importance, worth, or usefulness of something. Okay? So I've highlighted that, usefulness of something. Variable noun, the value of something is how much money it is worth. And again, if you highlight that, you end up with a bit of a sentence that basically says the usefulness of something equals how much money it is worth, or conversely, how much money it is worth is equal to how useful it is. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah so if we've got a commercial building that nobody wants, is it going to be valuable? No. If we've got some residential buildings that everybody wants, some beautifully converted buildings converted into serviced accommodation, is that valuable? Yes, absolutely. And that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about. So adding value pays. If you haven't read this book, definitely recommend that you do. Okay, Secrets of Millionaire Mind by T. Harvecker. There's a lot of things in this book. One of the things that he does say is value is what determines how much money you will make. You will be paid in direct proportion to the value you deliver according to the marketplace. And a lot of people forget about this. And it's something that goes through all the strategies. And it's very, very relevant to SA. And it's very, very relevant to commercial conversions. 
You need to find the properties or create the properties that your market wants. Okay? They're not going to pay for something that they don't want. If you're looking at doing luxury SA with hot tubs and cream leather sofas in the middle of, I don't know, city center of Hull. I don't know why I picked Hull. Anyone from Hull? Apologies to all listeners from Hull. I'm sure there is a luxury market in Hull. I don't know. But the point is you need to think about who your marketplace is and then design the product with them in mind. Okay? So design it with them in mind. And if you look at the differences in value, this is where this kind of fits. So we want to be paid in direct proportion to the value we deliver according to the marketplace. So we need to understand our marketplace. And if we take something that's a relatively low value and turn it into something with a relatively high value, we create that uplifting value, as Craig said. And that is where we get paid. Okay? Now, there's a couple of ways that we can get paid with this strategy. All right? So as a standard commercial conversions, you can realize that value by selling everything and getting lots and lots of chunky cash, big chunks of cash. Like that slide earlier, 500,000 pounds, 510,000 pounds, big chunks of cash. You can absolutely do that. You can also keep hold of the asset and then get the recurring income from it. Now, that might be as a standard buy-to-let. But as we all know in this room, that's not, again, good leverage. We're not sweating the asset. We're not maximizing the revenue that we can get from that one property. Put it on a serviced accommodation, all of a sudden we're turbocharging that recurring income. And this is how these strategies fit together really, really well. Now, once, of course, you have done this and you've got your SA units all set up and they're bringing you in all the profits, you can basically spend is the right word, spend, invest, whatever you want to do with that, that value. You know, what you've been paid doesn't really matter. What you do with the money is up to you. But I want to ask you a question in here. How many of you have honestly thought about what you would do or are doing or could do with the profits, etc., that you're making? One person's got a plan. <laughs> yeah, so this is something I think you all need to think about. Because as we all know, you are going to have challenges in business. But the people who come through those challenges are the ones who've got a clear reason why they're doing it. It helps you get up in the morning. Is it about holidays? Okay, Kevin just mentioned he's been on holiday. I've just come back off holiday. Is it experiences? Is it experiences while you're on holiday? Maybe that's what it is. Is it about helping other people? Are you thinking about maybe private education? Maybe it's private health care. Do you just want that dream house or that dream new car? Maybe it's just about leaving the day job. Is it more about spending more time with the family? It doesn't matter what it is to you, but you do need to think about why you are doing this. Right? That will then help you understand what you're trying to achieve, and then you can work back from there about how you achieve it. It might be that you want to have the biggest SA management company in the country. All right, great, get in the queue. It might be that you want to have the biggest essay management company in your town. Okay, it might be that you just want to do this so that you can leave your job or do anything on that list. It's entirely up to you. But you do need to think about why you're doing it. All right, that's going to help you move forward with it. Now, we are adding value to these properties by changing commercial buildings into residentials. And there's two ways that you can change the use class of a building. 
Okay, the first is by using planning permission. The second is by using what's known as prior approval. Now, planning permission is administered by your local authority, okay? And it's the formal permission to change something. So this is not about changing, I don't know, a butcher's into a baker's, all right? Because they're just still shops, all right? It gets a little bit gray if you want to change it into a candlestick maker's because that's light manufacturing, okay? That was a joke, by the way. Thanks for the feedback. Uh, and because it's administered by the local authority, it is significantly impacted by those local policies, okay? Now, if you think about this scenario, the scenarios in planning, you know, and because this is on the podcast, I'll keep it a little bit more, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, political. There are things that go on in the planning system which are a little bit on the, you might say, what word can I use? <laughs> They're a little bit confusing. Let's go with that. Okay. Now, if you think about this, the planning department has people who have been you know, to university to study, town, to study town planning, and they've been studying town planning for years, and they've got all the qualifications, they know what they're doing. They then put in a local authority which has some policies. The policies might not then actually match with anything that they've learned uh, as in terms of the law or legal stuff, because it might be that there's certain political, influence, political influences on those local policies. I think you get what I'm saying. Okay, so you're not necessarily guaranteed that even if you had something which could go through planning and would tick all the boxes, that it's going to get passed. So it could take a little bit of time. And because of these local policies, they're all different, so it varies across the country. So you're not entirely sure what you can do in one area versus what you can do in another. For example, where I live, there are three local planning authorities within two towns. So I could do a project in one town under one local authority, do a project in the same town under a different local authority. Crazy. Different people, different planning, different policies, the whole kind of shebang. So it's uncertain. And as I mentioned earlier on, I'm a simple bloke, and I like simplicity. I like simplicity, and I like certainty. This doesn't give me those two things. All right. Well, on the other hand, prior approval is legislation that is set nationally. So the government know that the planning system is stretched. Okay, some would say broken. Others would say totally useless. I'm going to go with stretched. But this legislation is set nationally, so it overrides all those local policies. And it's a pre-agreed set of changes to certain types of building. Okay? And it's not then impacted by these local policies. And it is the same then throughout England. Unfortunately, it's not the same in Wales and Scotland. Okay? But as for those who live in Wales and Scotland, if you want to take advantage of prior approval, what I'd suggest is you either partner with someone who lives in England or you travel a little bit. Now, if you're living in the Outer Hebrides, granted travel might be a little bit of an issue, but most people in Wales and Scotland can get to somewhere in England that's got some decent type of pro commercial property stock within a couple of hours. And if you're making the type of profits we talked about earlier on, it's going to be worth your time. Okay? But it is the same uh, throughout England. And one of the biggest changes to the planning use class system happened in 2020 and then in 2021. And no one noticed, because we all know what was happening during those times. Okay? But in August 2021, from the 1st of August, so this is still in you know, property terms, in commercial property terms. This is still brand spanking new. Okay? From the 1st of August 2021, we got what's known as our new E-class to residential permitted development rights. All right? So anything that is in the use class E, which can be anything that was formerly in A1, a shop, 
formerly in A2, a bank or a financial institute. Has anyone, by the way, seen a bank close down recently in their town or their streets? Give me a yes. Yeah, everyone, right? Because they're all closing down. Doctor surgeries, dentist surgeries, anything that's offices, all of those things can now be converted under permitted development into residential properties. Okay? And you can convert up to 1,500 meters squared of those properties. Now, that's quite exciting because 1,500 meters squared could possibly be, you know, up to, well, you could even get some maybe 20, 30 flats, depending on the sizes of the corridors, et cetera. Let's just say 20 flats, easily in 1,500 square meters. Yeah. All right. Now, it must be vacant for three months prior to putting in the prior approval, but you can change it into C3 properties. Now, what is the most appropriate use class for a serviced accommodation unit? Shout it out. Say again. C3, yeah. So you can now convert these buildings into C3 and then use them as serviced accommodation. How cool is that? Cool. How cool? cool? Very cool. Now, using this prior approval allows us a couple of things. One, we know we are going to get the permission. And two, we know when we're going to get the permission. Because under prior approval, and this is like the biggest like bonus ever, the council have got 56 days to approve your application. Okay, 56 days. Not six months, not two years. They don't been through planning, by the way, and it's taken them more than two years. Anyone? Usually, there's usually a couple of people in the room. Yeah. 56 days. And if the council don't determine it within 56 days, you are deemed to automatically have been determined, and therefore you can just crack on. How cool is that? Cool. cool. Very cool. Good. Now, once you've found these deals, you put your prior approval in, you are going to need to fund it. And this is where a lot of people struggle with these types of properties. Because let's be honest, who's still thinking, these look massive, I'm not sure how I'm going to fund these, millions of pounds, where's all that going to come from? Who's still thinking, who's still thinking that? That's fine, that's okay. That's okay, don't worry, I know. But I want you to write something down. I want you to write this down. Money is everywhere. Okay, money is everywhere. Now, it might not be in your bank account, but I will guarantee you this. It is in someone's, okay? It's definitely in someone's bank account, absolutely everywhere. There's so much liquidity out there at the moment, it's unbelievable. And there's two types of money you need for this. The first is your senior lending. This is the bank's money. This is the, the senior lending, the development finance. There's a whole section of the market who are geared up purely to fund these types of deals. That's all they do. Right? And the second type is the equity. This is your investor's money. And as I said, investor's money. It's not your money. It's investor's money. All right? Now, the senior lender cares about two things. They care about the property, the project, the feasibility. Can it be converted? And they care about the professional team doing the work. Now, did anyone hear me in those two words say you? No, they don't really care about you because you're not the professional team delivering it. They care about the professional team. They don't care about you. They don't care about what you, how much money you earn, what your mortgage state is, what your credit's like. There's lenders out there who will lend to you on these types of deals because it's what they do. And there's lenders out there who specifically lend to first-time developers. So you don't even need to worry about having any experiences. 
Now, the equity side of things, this is your investor's money. Okay? The investor, now they may care about different things. They may care about the return that they're getting, how much money they're getting back. They may care about the security. Is there a charge available? Can they put like a charge or some sort of restriction on the property? They may care about how long their money is out there. Or they may just care what color the kitchens are going to be. It's entirely up to them. Now, I constantly get asked, what do I offer my investors? Well, the answer is, I don't offer them anything. I don't offer them anything. I ask them what they want. I ask them what's most important to them. And that's a big change. And it also means that from your mindsets, when you're thinking about going out there and raising funds to do these types of deals, or any types of deals, a lot of you still have this, uh, this blocker in your mind that you've got your hands out begging for money. Yeah? Begging for money. Please put some money into my deal. Whereas if you start thinking this the other way around, you can still have your hands out. But instead of saying, please put some money into my deal, how about would you like to be involved in this opportunity? Massive difference. Yeah, try it. You'd be surprised. So, commercial conversion excellence, the entire eight modules. Now, I just want to just focus in on a couple of aspects of this. Now, the first is this the power team. Now, there's no coincidence that our power team is at the bottom of our commercial conversion excellence model. Okay? The reason they're at the bottom is because they hold everything up, they're the ones doing all the work for us. It's the ultimate leverage. And it's a couple of people you're going to need. You're going to need a planning consultant, you're going to need a QS and a project manager. Now, bear in mind, your professional team is paid for from your development lending, your senior lending. They are paying for this team. Now, roughly, it works out maybe at 10% of the build cost, something like that. So if you've got a million pound build cost, the bank are going to fund the million pounds, but they're also going to give you 10% of that, 100,000 pounds, to employ your professional team. Now, if I gave you all 100,000 pounds in here, do you think you'd be able to go out and hire some people to do some work for you? Do you think you'd be able to do that? Absolutely. But the QS and the project manager, they're getting paid from the development finance facility. Now, this is a professional fees uh, drawdown from one of our projects. Okay? And notice this line here. We've got a, a line here that says £12,384 on the PM fees line. Now, that'll become important a little bit later on. Okay, but that is £12,384 for our project management fees. Just remember that, and later on we'll talk about why that's important. You need an architect, a structural engineer, a commercial finance broker. You need a solicitor. Has anyone found a good one? Uh, you'll need a commercial agent. Okay, and a commercial agent as well. So take a photo of that if you need, that's your professional team. Now, don't worry about this, because what happens is when you find one or two of these people, they will know everyone else you need. So you just need to go out there and, and find them, just to network with them a bit. So let's have a look at some case studies then. Let's have a look at some properties that have gone from commercial conversions to service accommodation. Look at this. Remember on that first slide I said where people said they were ugly? I said I owned one of them. That's one of them. Ugly. This was a TV repair shop. Okay. Now, can anyone tell me the last time they went into a TV repair shop. Stunned silence from the audience there. Yeah, because we don't go into TV repair shops anymore. Do we? If it breaks, what do we do? We put it outside for recycling. We order another one on Amazon, and it turns up the next day. Other shops are available. 
but we don't go in TV repair shop. So this was an owner-occupier TV repair shop. When we bought this, it had one working socket, okay, and that was pretty much it. When we bought the building, I didn't realize that uh, when they cleared all the stuff out, because this was like a museum, it was brilliant. You walked in, there's a little path that walked through the little shop. It was just full of you know, valves and boxes and electrical components and stuff. Literally all of it, everything. Went through this little windy little walkway to the bench where the gentleman repaired the TVs. Uh, and it had that one working socket and the one working light in there. And when we bought the property off, off the gentleman, he said to us at the end, he said, oh, do you want me to get the upstairs lights fixed? And I was like, honestly, that is the least of the problems with this building. And to be honest, we're ripping everything out, so don't worry about it. When we got the keys, after he'd moved everything out, uh, we went and had a look around the building. And we found that at the back, there's actually a bathroom that none of us knew was there. So we actually found extra space in this building that we just didn't know about because it was just full of old TV equipment. But that's what it looked like. It was completely dilapidated, say one working socket, one working light. Um, we converted it into five apartments. Okay, and here's some of the, the sort of finished, unfurnished photos. And then here's some of the finished serviced accommodation photos. And then here it is on its listing on booking.com. So this is in the uh, center of Cheltenham. So we converted this into serviced accommodation units. Now, I know, because you're all serviced accommodation experts, that you're going to want to know about the occupancy rate. Am I right? Good, because that's the next slide. So this one has been running for about a year now. In fact, it has August to August. So a bit of work to do on it. Average occupancy of this one, 60.26. Okay, 60.26. So, you know, fairly good. Pretty average, actually, for the area we operate in. Pretty average. But you want to know about the money, don't you? You want to know about the money? Yes. Yeah, I thought you might. So here we go then. Here they are. This is just straight out of the, uh, the channel manager. So rents in on the one bed, £27,000. I'll start again. 27875 Rents on the two bed, 32583 Extra person fee, £1,250 on the one bed and 3400 on the two bed. Basically, that means across the year, the revenue figures for those two units, £65,108. Not bad, right? Not bad, right? Oh, you want more, do you? Okay, I got you. But I know, I know, because your all essays. You go, yes, okay, Dan, that's the revenue. And everyone says, what's the revenue? They all say revenue, don't they? They all say top line, six-figure businesses and all the rest of it. What about your costs? What about your profit? You all say that, don't you? So do you want to know that? Okay, well, here we go then. So here is the, uh, the profit and loss for the year. Uh, this is broken down by month. So basically an average across the month, across the year. So income from the property, £7,499. Cost expenditure from the property, 5240 That means profit across that profit is £2,258. It's not too bad, is it? It's not too bad, is it? But that's not the whole story with this one. Because what we did with these five flats is we put three of them on as buy-to-lets. Okay? Now, the three profits that come in from the rental income is £2,075. Okay, and notice the mortgage is £2,164. That means for the cost of £94 or whatever it is, I've got two apartments for free. Yeah? Two apartments for free. So we pay council tax, utilities, insurance, BT on those. Now, here's another thing about when you're designing your commercial conversions, you can design them with service accommodation in mind. So we did. 
So we designed these buildings with interconnecting fiber between the properties, which means I only need to put one BT hub in and then I spread it out across two units. Okay, that means I need one BT line rather than two. Design them with sofa beds in mind so the living rooms are big enough to get a sofa bed in. These are the things you can do when you design them in. Okay? So yeah, so we've got these two properties for pretty much free. There's all the costs, cleaning linen, platform charges, credit card fees, etc. Now, notice this next line, management charges. What do you think that might be? You're all SA operators. What do you think management charges might be? What do you think it might be? SA management charges? SA management charges, yes. That's to an SA management company that manages these properties for us. Talk about leverage, remember? So there's an SA management company that manages these properties. So I've done a commercial conversion, completely hands-off, leveraged, outsourced, and then when it's finished, hand it off to a management company, completely outsourced and leveraged. Who do you think owns the SA management company? Absolutely. So when this actually works down in terms of profits, we've got £207 from the rental income, okay? You've got £2,258 to the SA landlord, which is me and my business partner, and then we've got SA management at 750 That means these two flats, which, by the way, are completely refinanced, so for free, £3,215 a month on average. That's not bad, is it? Nice. Pretty good. There's nothing special about that. It's just a learning system on how to do it. But you might be saying, okay, well, Dan, that's quite small. I thought you were talking about big deals. Yeah? No? Yes. Okay, well, maybe something like this then. This is our latest commercial conversion project. Okay? Now, remember, I talked about this being leveraged and hands-off. And some of you might have seen this on another slide. But interestingly enough, interesting question. I was at this project last Monday. Not the bank holiday, time before. And I was meeting our new monitoring surveyor. So the way this works is every single month, the bank send a monitoring surveyor down, and they check everything's OK, and then they give you the money. That's fine. I met the new monitoring surveyor, and he said, Dan, what's your role in this? And I said, to be honest, I just turn up every now and again and take a selfie. <laughs> now, he thought I was joking, but that bottom right picture is exactly what I'm talking about. Take a selfie while someone in the background is doing some measurements. That's how they're doing their job. Now, we were going to convert this into 38 units. Now, the ground floor will be six units. Here's the floor plans for it. Okay, and these will be converted and run as serviced accommodation. Okay, and here's some of the, the latest pictures. Uh, now, it's obviously nice, nicely wrapped. We've got all our logos and stuff on it. We've got the new hoarding, which is coming with the CGIs and everything on there. Uh, and that's what will be converted into 38 apartments. Now, we're not sure what the profit forecast on these is going to be yet, but it's going to be probably about five times what it is on those other flats and that little shop. Better location, parking, okay, purpose-built entranceways, etc. And the beauty of this one, has anyone ever heard of capital allowances? <laughs> has Kevin mentioned capital allowances? He may, may have mentioned it. Yeah. The capital allowances on this project are £435,000. Nice, right? So not only is those profits going to be sort of five times what they are on the other one, there's going to be no tax to pay for a number of years. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you today. Thank you very much for listening. My name has been Dan Eaton, and you lot have been absolutely amazing. Give yourself a round of applause. Oh. <laughs>
Okay, Dan, that was amazing. Thank you so much. It's been really, really a pleasure um, to see your journey um, into being the commercial converter that you currently are and obviously employing multiple streams of property income. And we all love a bit of capital ounces, right? Okay, so if anyone listening into the podcast uh, would like to contact you, um, how would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so if anyone wants to get in contact, they are more than welcome to drop us an email. The email address is going to be info at pivotal, P-I-V-O-T-A-L hyphen point, P-O-I-N-T hyphen group, G-R-O-U-P dot co dot U-K. That's info at pivotal hyphen point hyphen group dot co dot U-K. Awesome, Dan. So thank you very much. Can I get another massive round of applause to Dan Eaton, everyone? Thank you for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. You can also follow me on social media and YouTube by searching The Property Soldier. Also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn even more about property investing and serviced accommodation.